0: Welcome to the Topeka First assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com/giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right well we're, we're going to join together get into word of God and uh, we're going to look together over uh, into the scripture, in uh, thir- uh, First Thessalonians is where our, uh, where our passage is, and we're going to hit some other word, messages there too as well, or scriptures. But we're working on this, uh, you're a model, uh, and it, it is a, uh, it's a great uh, passage here that we're going to look at. And today it seems uh, to take really a turn as the Apostle Paul is talking or writing to his, uh, these guys in Thessalonica. And uh, he, uh, he writes to them, and the passage is in chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Uh, we're going to look there together in just a moment. He, he's been writing to these people about how they are living. He's encouraging them to live 100%, you know, no longer that 75%. And, and now he's helping them to understand some foundational truths that uh, maybe they hadn't understood very well, and so now he's bringing them out. And that, unfound, uh, that foundational truth, uh, it reminds us of our unlimited hope because that's what we have. We have unlimited hope. And, and how would you? How would your life change if you really grasp the unlimited, unlimited hope that you have in Christ? What what would be different if uh, you you caught on to the reality of this kind of hope that you have in the Lord? And I think it would really change us. And what we can really compare this to is to get a hold of, we're going to get a hold of this reality in Scripture. What we can compare it to, though, is maybe uh, if you received an inheritance. Say one day you woke up, and all of a sudden you had a uh, rich aunt or uncle, and they had left you $2 billion. I mean billion, not million million doesn't go as far these days, although I'm sure that would be helpful, right? Uh, but say they, le- they left you $2 billion. Now, to most of us, that is unlimited funds, right? It's just unlimited. How in the world can you spend $2 billion? I'm sure you can find a way. Uh, you'd have to be on Amazon all day, I think, or something like that. I'm not sure, but... So after you you receive this money and you go out and you hire a team of financial advisors and all the things that you have to do to be able to manage a chunk of cash like that, and uh, so you have to start thinking about how you're going to live, and so some of you are already dreaming. I, I know it's, it's got you've got to be dreaming at this point about what you could be doing with that kind of money, but you can imagine the things you could do and how you could really even help other people as well, and so. And your, your concerns at that point would be different than what they would have been before you got the $2 billion. It's just a reality. Your concerns would have changed. You wouldn't be so worried about putting food on the table or making sure your car is gassed up or doing the regular things that you do. But it'd be more like, how do I invest what I have been given and, and so I don't waste it all? I'm sure that some would be thinking, well, what kind of house or car could I get with that? That, That'd be pretty good. $2 billion, you could buy a nice car. Uh, You could buy a nice house. Hey, you could get almost anything for that. But I think with unlimited funds, uh, unlimited finances, other other things would come up too, though, how can I help others so that it really helps them and doesn't hurt them? Because you want to engage people, help them, and assist them in their lives, and you want to be, uh, do that in such a way that it's not harmful to them. You want to assist them so it's a hand up, not just a hand out. And, and how can I become a blessing to those around us who could use our help? How can I help those hear the good news uh, that, I, w- that uh, I have been able to hear about? How could we do that with those things that we're blessed with? You know, I think you would focus on what really matters for the long term, which is eternity. Eternity is what matters. And you, you could enjoy the good life, but you could also share good things with others. And Many have learned this even without a billion dollars. You don't have to have that much money to, to understand that. But we do have unlimited hope in Christ. It does come down to this truth. We we do believe what Scripture teaches in the personal return of our Lord Jesus Christ as the blessed hope of the church, and we, we believe the Bible teaches His return turn is imminent. Now that's not a term we use every day. That just simply means that it could happen any time, that He could meet us at any time, and He'll return in His good timing. But before we enter into this, this main passage, we want to do a, do a look over in Titus, just a real quick minute. And Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, and it says this. It's actually Paul writing here again under the direction of the Holy Spirit, and he says... For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Living now. And Then he says in verse 13, While we wait for the blessed hope and some would say blessed that's the old school way of saying it and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ and then he goes on from there but why is this hope signalled out and called blessed why in the world does paul call this blessed well because it it means it means so much to us as god's people it means a lot to us, and even in the days of Paul, the church was in an expectant attitude waiting for the Son uh, to come from heaven, Christ. And Paul groups himself with the believers who may be on earth at the time of the rapture or the catching away, and he writes over here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, these words... Uh, and he says, then we, are, we which are alive and remain will be caught up together. It says in different ways in different translations, but that caught up together, uh, we could say will be raptured. That's one way that's been said over the years. And what we know is that we have great hope. We have a great hope. And one of the amazing truths of the ancient church, uh, the end of Jesus himself, as he spoke about it, was resurrection. A resurrection is a powerful truth, and but Jesus didn't only talk about it. And we find that in Scripture. He didn't only talk about it, but he also lived that out. He practiced it with somebody named Lazarus and even others. Uh, and he did that before he himself was raised by the Father. So our unlimited hope... Uh, comes to us in several ways, even in these tough times. And we need to be able to look at the first one here this morning, which is this. And we're going to find it over here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But it's, we have the hope of our resurrection for those who have passed. We have that hope. That's important for us. It's important for us and the time that we're in to recognize that we have this hope as followers of Jesus. Look at what he says in 4.13 here. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed uh, about those who fall, who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And then he goes on here in verse 14, and he says this, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So he says some key things here in Scripture for us. And what we understand is that your resurrection after death is some of the greatest encouragement that the New Testament teaches to us, especially in the times that we are living. And Paul was writing to these young believers in Jesus. He was concerned that some were unaware or uninformed, or even some uh, translations may say ignorant of uh, ignorant of they didn't know, and uh, they didn't know what was going to happen when a person passes. And, and he reminds them, them and us that we don't have to grieve like those who, ha- who don't have any faith. Uh, but because we have this unlimited hope. It's important for us. It doesn't mean that we don't grieve at all. That's just not a reality, is it? That's just not a reality. We know that, and the scripture doesn't really even teach that. Uh, you see that even Jesus himself, when he comes to the tomb of Lazarus, what, he do, what does he do? He weeps. That's part of grief. Uh, that's what he did. And so that's okay. It's not something that we ignore. And, and for those who don't know Christ, their only hope is really placed in the here and now, and at best, in the legacy that they hope will come after them. And that's really where, that's where only hope they have. And their, their grief ends up being final. But for us who believe, we have hope for now and for legacy and for eternity. And that is a powerful truth that we can hold on in our day. And we will be able to see other believers again to meet our, and to meet our Lord face to face one day. And we don't base that simply on some fantasy, uh, and, but on the truth of the Scripture. And some in Jesus' time even laughed at that truth. Do you realize that? Some of them laughed at that truth because they didn't, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And, and we find that some, uh, some of them did that. But people like the religious Sadducees, was, they were one of the well-known groups. Uh, and we see that in Scripture. It speaks about them, that they made fun of those who believed in the resurrection of the dead. But I think they were a little bit upset, and we know they were when Lazarus was raised from being in the grave for four days. And uh, he was raised up by Jesus, and it ends up being that they tried to kill Lazarus even after this miracle. You can see it, see it over in John chapter 12, verse 10 to 11, and it says this. So John 12, 10, 11 it says so. The chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him many of the Jews were being were going over to Jesus and believing in him. They laughed it off, but they did not want to lose their positions. They they haven't cha- Those type of people haven't changed at all today. They still do the same thing. Still have the same uh, beliefs. Some still laugh off the resurrection, but but that's unlimited hope for us. It's unlimited hope, but others have watched too much TV. Others have just watched too much TV, and they've seen too many weird shows and unusual shows that are out there, and they become confused when they come back to the Scripture because of the twisted things that are out there. And, and this truth for us is that we, uh, that, that we who follow Jesus, when, uh, when one of us passes away, if we pass or some, another believer passes, it's simply like that person has moved away. Because you can move back again, can't you? You can move back. Uh, in this COVID thing, I know I've lost two friends uh, that I knew out west, and, and uh, they both served the Lord, followed the Lord. And uh, I hadn't seen them in about eight years. I did have a little connection on Facebook some. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but when that, that day came for, uh, for them, they passed and went to be with the Lord. And uh, because I was gone, I was back home, back in Kansas. I I didn't get to see them, and now they've passed. But see, the great thing is, is I have an opportunity, by the grace of God, to be able to see them again at some point. And uh, time and time again, we've seen those who have passed away in the Lord, and we have this wonderful hope that we will be able to see them. And, And that is a wonderful comfort that we have, And uh, when that day comes for me to meet the Lord, I'll get to meet him. And I don't know what that will be like, but I I look, the scripture talks about some things there, but I, I know that that will be a great day, and maybe I'll get to see these friends as well, and I'll get to interact with them and catch up on old times. And I look forward to that day when that happens. Don't want to move it too fast, right? But I look forward to that day because I know that I have this wonderful hope. And it's part of what God has provided for us. You can call me crazy all you want, but that's what the Word of God teaches. And I just trust in the promises of God. Here's another part of this that we'll see. The second part of this is that those who passed with faith in Christ will be transformed. They will be transformed. This is another part of that hope. In verse 15 here of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Um, The Apostle Paul writes here, and he says, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, the Thessalonian followers of Jesus, uh, they may have been a little confused about the return of Christ and how these events would happen. It's evident by what he writes. And he's trying to help them. Paul is trying to help them to understand by letting them know that what, what God's direction actually was. Uh, because he said, according to the Lord's word, you see it right there in the passage, and that's that's an important thing to understand. He said, if, if you are still living at the return of Christ, then you, then you won't be caught away uh, before those who have fallen asleep. And uh, then we come into that falling asleep thing. Well, I went to sleep last night. I I don't know about you, uh, but I was asleep. No, there's a point, right? He's using this. It's a euphemism. Falling asleep is just simply a euphemism. In other words, a nicer way to say it, just like we say passed away, right? And uh, so that's what it is. And so falling asleep was a standard thing. If you remember when Jesus was going or before he was going to raise Lazarus, He told his guys, the disciples, he said, look, he's sleeping. It's all going to be good. (laughs) A couple things come along with that, right? Yeah, sleeping, the fever breaks usually is what they were thinking. And that's what they thought. Uh, But Jesus is thinking, "Mm, the guy's passed away. He's died. Uh, But uh, he's going to come and take care of business and raise him again. And that's what he did. And so, uh, so he's saying he's saying this to believers that believers will certainly not proceed uh, or meet the Lord Jesus before those who died. So, if you're living at the return of the Lord, uh, you're not going to go before and see uh, before those guys. They're going to meet him first. And he's trying to help them to understand that the resurrection has not happened at that point and uh, has not left them behind. So Paul and his team are encouraging them and setting the record straight for these young believers. And you, you need to know what God's Word says, right? We all need to understand what it says, and part of that is for reading it for ourselves and studying as well. So, so that way you're not misguided by all the ideas of people today and what the TV shows you, right? Uh, know what Scripture says, and then put your faith Put your trust in what the Lord teaches to us. Then under the Lord's direction, Paul writes to them uh, these words here in verse 16, uh, which says, And the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, before you're caught away to be with Christ, uh, those who have died in faith will be resurrected first. Only then will living followers of Jesus be caught away. And this isn't something we we only base on what Paul says uh, here and his team here in this letter alone. It's not. Uh, Paul writes over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 a bunch of things as well that's really important for us in understanding this revelation. And uh, so it gives us this unlimited hope that we can have through faith. And we see it there in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 to 52. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but but we will all be changed in the flesh, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Really, that's an important passage for us, as we reminded, and we're, as we're encouraged by these things. That's why. These things are why we don't have to worry about when we pass from this life to the next, because we have hope. I'm afraid that sometimes the people get so concerned about it, and they get so worried. Well, if you're not putting your faith in Christ, I understand that. But if you are putting your faith in Christ, I'm not sure if I do quite. I think that we all need to put our faith in what God's Word tells us so that we can hold on to Him with true faith and understanding. So this passage really here in verse in chapter 15 is amazing to me. The Bible explicitly says, listen, I tell you a mystery. He's opening up a mystery to the church and he says, he's saying this is simply not common knowledge. That Everybody knows he was writing this to the early church in Corinth this part and it was something that was revealed by God himself and it was a mystery that has been revealed to his saints that is us who believe and who follow Jesus and he says plainly we will not all sleep in other words we will not all die but we will all be changed in a flash wasn't sure on the timing. And he goes on later on to say, don't worry about the timing. Don't be focused on the timing. But today we we may uh, say that we would be changed in a nanosecond or a millisecond. That's just how fast it will be. How all that is going to work, I really don't know. And I'll be honest, I don't care because I don't think that part matters. I think what matters is we put our faith in Christ and what he has said in his word and trust him and take him at his word. And so, uh, because too many people get so wrapped up in the how, I've seen this, maybe you've seen it as well, some people are so focused on the how that they get confused. And they get so confused that they end up turning away from faith, turning away from truth over details that God will take care of. He said Israel would come back and be a nation again couple thousand years ago, friends, it's happened. It's already happened in the 1900s. It happened. It took place. He said it would happen. As his promise, it came to pass. There was a man, uh, one time he, he asked his boss for a raise, and when he goes to his boss, he asks him for the raise, and his His supervisor writes him a note back, and this is brutal, but he writes this note back to him, and and it's even I've got to try to read this thing for you too. He says, because of the fluctuation predisposition of your position's productive capacity, as juxtaposed to standard norms, it will be momentarily injudicious to advocate your requested increment. The guy's got to look at that and say, what in the world are you talking about? Well... The man was confused, and he went to the supervisor and he said, if this note is about my pay raise, I don't get it. The supervisor looks back at him and says, you're right, you don't get it. You don't get the pay raise, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, sometimes we don't understand some things. Sometimes we can get a little bit confused, but there will be a time for clarity. Yes, that guy had clarity, right? We will receive some clarity, and we need to be able to keep our focus on the truth of the Scripture, the truth that we do know, the truth that we can read in front of us, that the basics that we know from the Word of God, and allow God to continue to speak to us. Now, earlier, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 to 44, these words... And Paul, Paul records this. He said, so will it be with the resurrection of of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. There's that word glory again. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. This old natural body here. It's sown a natural body, it has raised a spiritual body. Really, this tells us something and it even explains it a little better that we will be changed, that we will be transformed. I'm not worried how God does it. He created us so He can do what He needs by His transforming us. Dead or alive, He can transform us. He created mankind out of the dust. And with his breath, he got us breathing and living. That's the way he did it, and that's why we sang that song. It's his breath in our lungs. It's your breath in our lungs. He can transform us. We owe everything to him, and we can be thankful for what he's done for us. Finally, we see that any living followers of Jesus will be changed at the rapture, at that time of the catching of of the way of the of believers, back in our key text there, Paul uh, writes this in First Thessalonians in chapter five, verses seventeen and eighteen. It says, "After that, which means that that was just following the resurrection of the dead in Christ, we who are still alive and left will be caught up or raptured, taken away." together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This, too, is another one of those passages that is encouraging for us. And you may hear people talk about the rapture or what Paul called a talks about in Titus as the blessed hope or the blessed hope, as some may say. This includes the great event of Christ's return and the catching away of his people and the resurrection of the saints. This is unlimited hope to me. I don't know about you, but it's unlimited hope to me, knowing what Jesus has done for me on the cross and then understanding not only did he raise, but we have a resurrection as well in our future. I look forward to that. I do. So we see it there. He says that uh, says it in verse 51 and 52 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So all followers of Christ will be radically changed and our bodies right now will pass away they will perish we're mortal we understand that we 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 go the way of the grave and but that's just part of that's just part of it but they go back, and we go back to the dust of the earth but the lord says that death is not the end for us we have this hope and look at what he says in uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 54 he says these words when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. And he quotes the Old Testament out of this. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And you can see right now that we're mortal and we will go away from here at some point. It just will happen. But there will be a time that death is defeated. We have to keep the right frame of reference here. Because we have this unlimited hope. And no matter what you face, if you will trust the Lord, He will give you this hope. There's something else that the Apostle John writes, and it's over in the book of Revelation, and it's in a great passage, it's Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. I love these words as he writes. It's a revelation from God through, uh, to John, and it says this, and for the church, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Every tear. There will be a time that all those tears that have uh, filled your life will be wiped away by the hand of God the loss, the pain, they'll all be wiped away. See, we have this hope. This hope is for us. And those those tears will be wiped away. That, and we have this great hope, but we also have peace. Maybe you can remember a time, maybe your own child or another child comes along, and maybe they fall, they get hurt, they skin their knee. Or maybe they they get hurt really bad, and you have to come over there to them and grab them by the hand, put your hand on their head and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. You pick them up, you wipe the tears from their eyes, and you try to console them and help them to understand, hey, you're going to get through this. It's going to be fine. And that child that child usually they start feeling better simply because they know someone else cares, they know somebody else can relate to them, and, and, and they can be taken care of. I don't think it's any any different for adults. I don't think it's any different because our heavenly father, who is better than any earthly father could have ever been, our heavenly father is telling us that he will wipe away those tears from our eyes, He will take that pain away from our lives and He will restore us. That's where we come back to this this last word out of uh, Thessalonians in chapter 4, verse 18. Paul said it this way. He wrote it down, him and his team. He said, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Here's another place where our unlimited hope is found. This is where our unlimited hope is found. We have to encourage one another with these words. Do you realize, you say, Pastor, why in the world would you talk about death and passing all of this time? Because it matters. And because God cares about you. And he feels and he senses your pain. You may not have lost anyone, and that's great, I hope not. But so many have. And so we have to recognize the fact if we are just living for the here and now, we are mistaken. We have greater hope than that. We have greater hope for eternity. And we find that in Jesus. So my challenge is, to you is this. Encourage others with these words. Encourage them. As we wrap this up this morning, as we conclude, you, ha- you have hope for your future as you follow Jesus Christ. The hope that he gives you is not limited to your time on this earth, but it doesn't exclude this life either. Isn't that the good thing? It doesn't exclude this time. He cares for us. Let your faith keep you alive and looking forward to what God has in store for you. Life does not end here. Here. There is unlimited hope for you in your life if you will put your faith and, in your tru- and your trust in Jesus Christ. Take the time and encourage others, one another, at this point in time with these words while you have the opportunity to do so. Encourage one another. Care for one another. Maybe even you need to wipe the tears away from a friend but encourage them and share God's love with them. Put your faith, put your trust in Him today because He gave everything so that you may have life. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank You for this wonderful, wonderful opportunity that each and every one of us have to be able to engage You, to be able to come before Your throne without fear, without doubt, knowing that somehow you have intervened in our lives by giving your Son on the cross for us, and that you have offered to us hope that is unlimited. Father, I pray for every person on the team here, for every person, Father God, at their house listening or maybe on break listening. Father, I pray that you would bless their lives. I pray that you would help them as they engage you and recognize that hope that you have for them is bigger than ever. I pray that your peace would flood their lives. Father, we look forward to the fact that you will wipe every tear away. We thank you, Lord. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name.